0: Hello folks, welcome to the Pendles and Clarkie show. I'm Jay Clark from the Herald Sun. Scott Pendlebury, five-time All-Australian, five-time best and fairest, Norm Smith uh, medal winner, and probably the finest table tennis player to come out of sale.
1: How are you, Scotty? I'm good, mate. Thanks for that. Kind introduction. How are you?
0: played you and you're uh, you're pretty handy. Let's be honest. Hey, you've had a big off season, mate, and I'm not just talking about coming back to training uh, two weeks uh, early. Very exciting news, my friend, that
1: your beautiful wife Alex is pregnant.
0: Congratulations.
1: Thanks, mate. Yeah, she is. The hardest part about coming back two weeks early is we were in that stage where we didn't tell anyone. Um, still waiting to for it all to be officially confirmed. Um, yeah, and sort of a lot of excitement. Wanted to tell a few of the boys, but. I uh, had to try and keep it in and um, yeah, it's very exciting due uh, sort of middle to late May and um, yeah, I can't wait to, to meet the little fella. Late May, so you uh, 200, played 236
0: games, your 250th is, is what, say June. Yeah. So w- what happens, mate, if you get the call on a Saturday morning just before you game or a Sunday morning, you going to play footy,
1: are you going to go to the berth? I will be going to the berth. So, um, Have you you talked about this with Bucks yet? Well, Bucks doesn't know that yet But (laughs) um, yeah, I'm sure he'll understand So um, if it was finals, obviously it'd be a lot different But I think a home and away game I'm prepared to miss one for for the birth of my son And um, yeah, it'd be be funny if the banner was all done for 250 And and I don't (laughs) even get to run through it So I might send my younger brother out or something Now you're very composed, mate, on the field We know that Cool as ice out
0: there Nothing flusters you How are you going to go? Three o'clock in the morning, the the little man screaming. Yeah, Alex hasn't uh, slept well for a couple of nights. How are you going to go? Because that's the real red time,
1: my friend. That's when you uh, earn the big bucks. I've heard that. And um, I said, like, happy wife, happy life. So I've got to keep Alex happy in that first initial sort of (laughs) six to eight months. But, yeah, there'll be some um, challenging times, I reckon, three in the morning when... Uh, we don't know what's going on. We can't sort it all out. So um, I'll probably just duck off back to sleep in the spare room yeah. and leave it to Alex. Well, I think uh, Sammy Mitchell, he slept at the Langham when
0: he when they had just had their twins. I think he used to sleep the night before games um, oh. at the Langham with his own pillow to make
1: sure he got there. Oh, do you have proof of that? If you got proof of that, I'll, I'll get that to Alex and oh. you can have a read.
0: I'm uh, pretty sure that's you Andrew Carazzo when he had triplets, he uh, he got nannies and slept in other rooms. Um well, something like that, anyway. So make sure you get your, your good night's sleep, and are eh? you very regimented, Scotty? You don't want to mess with that, mate.
1: I'm not too regimented anymore. I've relaxed a lot. Really? Um, but, yeah, the night before a game is, is sacred, mm. so... If you can get that Sam Mitchell piece about staying yeah. at the Langham or whatever, and I can use, I need evidence. I need. She's not going to go off if I just said you know, a bit of C-sha or whatever it's called.
0: Now, uh, when the kids do play up, like I would turn to maybe a bowl of ice cream or you know some sort of ice, a glass of red one. What, what are you going to do at ten o'clock when you've had a, a stressful day? The Footy Club or
1: your kids? I are thought you said when, when your kids have played up, you've given them a bowl of ice cream. No, I, I like, You need a vice, mate. You need a vice. Um, well, by the, science, the sounds of it, is if they're asleep, my vice will you going to bed trying (laughs) to get as much sleep as I can so um, yeah I don't know when was your last bowl of ice cream oh a long time ago it's not probably something I would go to anyway months years years but yeah it's not something that I would turn to a nice glass of red, maybe. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah.
0: <laughs> We're going to talk a lot of things on this podcast, and this is our first up crack. We're going to have an analytical look at footy, are we
1: not? And I some- will, I will, and you'll just argue the point. Exactly.
0: And uh, and some wider sport. We know you like your basketball and some different things, some boxing um, that's going on. So we'll get to that all in a second. But the big news is that Swanee's in the jungle, mate. Now, I reckon he's an absolute favourite to win this. How do you think Swanee is going to go in the jungle?
1: Uh, I think he'll go fine initially. Um they start starving him of food, he'll struggle. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I think he'll go fine. Like all the, you know, skydiving, all those type of challenges. I don't think nothing will worry him in terms of challenges because he's just got that carefree attitude and I think everyone will see that when he's in there, that it's literally, it's, that is Dane Swine and it's just how he rolls. So uh, I think he'll be fine. There's nothing that challenges too much. With, obviously with his foot, he's going to struggle to run, which I think he's happy about because he doesn't like running at the best of times. So I can't see too much stuff worrying him. You ever see him get stressed at the footy club? No, not really. The only time he ever got stressed is when we had big running sessions to do. <laughs> he, wasn't a, he wasn't a massive fan, but like like always, he he was always stressed or worried about it. But he always got it done. Mm. So um, I think the best thing they're not they're part of a team, and um, as much as he's an individual, he'll he'll never let his team down. So um, yeah, but. I'm looking forward to him opening up more and more as the uh,
0: the season progresses. He might bring out some old footy tales, mate. It will be interesting uh, to hear those. Now, let's talk about footy because the Bulldogs were the big story of last season. They absolutely came from the clouds. I want to know what you saw tactically. Um, that made them you know, such a, an outstanding success story last year because I think they lost to Fremantle and then they started the finals campaign 67 to 1 or something. No one gave them any chance.
1: Yeah. So, what do you see in this magnificent side? Um, well, firstly, well done to the Bulldogs on winning the flag. I think it was a fantastic effort um, that I tipped, Jay, that you didn't tip. I saw that. I'm a um, Sydney. And I'm still spewing that Liam Smith. No, sorry, Liam Smith. Liam Picken. Um, <laughs> Liam Smith's the boxer who just fought Canelo Alvarez. But <laughs> Liam Picken, um, he was I did the grand final breakfast and I tipped him for the Norm Smith and I thought he was very stiff. But I think what they do well, mate, is they've got 22 guys that contribute every week. Um, and it's, it's basic. And everyone looks for these great tactics and things that sides do really well. And the, the two things the Bulldogs did better than anyone was contested ball. Um, when they won the ball... They were unbelievable around mm. the midfield. They dominated the finals with that, you know, outnumber around the, the ball, and they they'd send a, a high half forward, usually Caleb Daniel, up around the stoppage as well to give them an extra number. Mm-hmm. And when they won that ball, it was you know, good luck getting it back off them. I think they were in the final series number one contested ball side, number one time in possession side. So um, it's pretty hard to to beat them when they've always got the ball. And isn't it amazing when you look at what Hawthorne's done? And they were one of the best,
0: most beautiful ball using sides um, of the past ten years and you hear Alistair Clarkson say he doesn 't give two hoots about the contest or the clearance really and then what the bulldogs do is place huge emphasis on that center clearance don 't they so they totally differ in their in their styles
1: they, they differ in their styles with the how they um, I suppose with the ball and, and um, you know Clarkson doesn 't care about contested possession and, and Bevo does but mm. I think that's just looking at your side and analysing what's going to suit your side best. Um, you know, I think Bevo would be silly to walk out of Hawthorne and go to the Bulldogs and try and turn the Bulldogs into something they're not. Yeah. So he's just looked at his side, realised they've got Wallace, Libertore, Bontempelli, Smith. Caleb Daniel, yeah. um, Smith, they had Kobe Stevens there, just guys that are, that are hard nuts that can win the footy and, and they've got, you know, elite hands. So um, what you, So, so what, yeah, I just think that they just played to their strengths. and. Mm. They're, they both defend very similar, though. And I think you've seen that in the, the final they played against each other. They defend similar. Mm. But the thing where Bulldogs got on top is, A, Hawthorne didn't take their chances early in the game when they could have really put a gap in the game. Yep. And then Bulldogs just sort of waited possessions to start to dominate that game. They won the footy. Um, and Hawthorne's pressure game is elite. Yep. And they buffered that pressure and got through and eventually broke them. You know uh, Luke Beveridge as well as anyone he coached here. He seems
0: like a snake charmer. You know, he's a, he seems like just a wizard from outside. The, the, the players love him so much. I'm petrified of snakes too. <laughs> what what, uh, what is the genius in Luke
1: Beveridge? How do you remember him? Um, I just remember, like, as a guy here when we won our flag in 2010, it's just that a lot of people had really strong relationships with Bevo. Mm. He worked in the development program when he was here. Um, he always had a smile on his face, had a lot of fun. He's a cuddler. Like um him. Yeah, he's a big feeler um, and he's, I don't know, just a guy that everyone got along with. And, you know, it's hard to say what he's like now that he's in, you know, what everyone calls the hot seat. But yeah, he's um, probably the same. Yeah, he maybe is. And um, the thing that I often hear as players is that, you know, when you ask players at other clubs about assistant coaches that you've had that have now gone on to a senior coach, it's just usually there's a, a massive difference into what... You remember them as And to what they've become Now as a senior coach And they mm. You know The hot seat changes people And it sounds like With Beville It hasn't mm. um, you, In round one You've got a big game Against
0: this mob So this is why This is particularly relevant As well You're going to come up Against your old mate Travis Clark Who's looking leaner He's looking fitter we all hear that he's reinvigorated down there, needed the change, wanted the change, and has been training very well. Let's be honest, he is an upgrade on Zane Cordy, who played in the grand final side and had played about 10 games. I think he's 19 years old. What's it going to be like for you guys taking on him? And from the other on the other side of it, Travis Cloak taking on the Collingwood Football Club round one?
1: I think it'll be, it'll be weirder for him than it is for us, because he's coming up against his old side, mm-hmm. um, and he's coming up against... You know, twenty-two guys that he knows, and a little um, bit of lip out there, I'm sure. Um, yeah, there will be, but it'll be funny if Trav tries to fire anything back to see <laughs> if he gets it right. But, <laughs> um, but yeah, I think, I, as you said, I think you know Trav wants to go the Footy Club. were happy to you know facilitate a trade, and it's been great for him to to get to the Bulldogs. It still looks w- weird when I see him in the red, white, and blue and running around. But you know, we at Collingwood, you know, we wish him all the best for round two and beyond been a big year for trades and player movement hasn't it and I think what we're going to
0: see over the next few years is more and more of this which I think is a good thing for the competition I think this was good for Travis it's good for players to um to move and um it's probably not a bad time to just look back on what you thought was the biggest trade of last season or what's going to be the move the big deal that's going to have the most impact for you because there have been some really big ones the last few
1: years yeah there's I think I think free agency has created some big moves and it gives players. Late in their career, a chance to control their career a bit more, and um, you know, for me, I think you know the obvious one is everyone talking about Sam Mitchell going to West Coast and how much that helps them as a side. And I think, no doubt, it does. Any Mm. side that got Sam Mitchell, it's going to be massive for. But the one for me, I think Jordan Lewis going to Melbourne. Mm. Um, They're just such a young side, and um, you know, they're they're in a side that. They got to learn how to play together better, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like every side that misses finals—the the missing ingredient is working together and playing for each other more than you think you're already doing, and willing mm. to sacrifice your own game a little bit. And I think Jordan's been a part of a very successful team. He, you know, he won a—I think he won the um, what's their best and fairest at Hawthorne Croomans. He won the Croomans medal as an inside midfielder in a premiership side, and mm. the next year he plays half forward wing. Mm. Now he, at any side, he would have been. You know, he could have just been like, why aren't I playing back on, on ball again? You know, yeah. last year I've dominated the season, all Australian, blah, blah, blah. Next season I come out here and I'm playing on a wing, half forward. But that was the beauty of Hawthorne. That's why they that were so hard to beat. And, you know, they, they still are as that. They've got multiple guys you can play... Different positions, and I think at Melbourne he's going to teach guys about the importance of developing others, making others better. I think that's
0: a good point on almost becoming an on field coach, and we hear it a bit. But for, for mine, when you have like a Nathan Jones, who in that Melbourne group can challenge a Nathan Jones if something happens out there? Because as you said, they're such a young group that I don't, if Jonesy does the wrong thing, for example, I don't think anyone's going to put the acid on him. Jordan Lewis will, though. Yeah,
1: well, I think Jordan will put it on anyone, mm. and I think he would expect it to come back to him as well because. As I said, like there's, I don't think anyone on Melbourne's list outside Nathan Jones, maybe Hibbert and that as well, that have played finals. You yeah. know, they're, they're a side that hasn't played a lot of finals. Almost similar to, to us here at Collingwood. Look, we're in a side here where there's a few guys who have played in a premiership, but a lot of guys have not played in a final series. Yeah. So you can talk about wanting to get to finals and playing finals, but you've got a guy here who's won four flags. Yeah. Um, he's played in five grand finals. He's played in probably six or seven prelim finals. That when he says something, you've got to listen because you know, you know that he's been there, done it, and performed really well in it.
0: Mm. And Mitchell's probably a similar impact at West Coast, who really underperformed uh, last year, didn't they? But what's your take on Nat Fife and Dustin Martin at the moment? It's been big news this week with Dustin Martin putting his contract talks on hold. And Nat Fife said some similar things at the end of last year, I think, really putting Fremantle on notice. You know, holding out, waiting to see what the clubs, the Dockers and the Tigers do. If I am at Richmond, and probably still Fremantle, I'm shifting uncomfortably a little bit. Because if they have average seasons again, you know, and and they were both very poor last year, why wouldn't Nat 5, accept the $1.5 million move, Dustin Martin will have suitors as well. So don't you think it really puts
1: the heat on those clubs to perform, to keep these guys? Um, Well, in the NBA, they've just introduced a a system where the club you know, say Steph Curry at Golden State, he can re-sign at that club for an extra year Mm. more than any other club can offer him. So it entices clubs that draft players. They get enticed to keep their players. And for players, it makes sense to stay because you get more money, Mm. a longer deal. So I think something like that could be worked into the free agency model that we've got here because that way it keeps. And it also stops like whether Martin goes or stays, Fife goes or stays. They're going to be under so much pressure. And I think Martin's just come out and said he's not going to talk contracts to the end the yeah. year. So he's got to expect now that the media is going to hound him every time he plays about whether he plays good or bad, Richmond win or lose. It's all about that the story is. now is about Dustin Martin. Will he stay or will he go? Yeah. Same with Nate Fife. So, um, yeah, it's a tough, it's, it's going to be tough. Of, both player and club, because if you're not flying, mm. you're going to cop it. And if you are flying, they're still going to ask the same question. I remember you being in this situation.
0: It didn't, seem the re- d- didn't fluster you. I think Paddy Dangerfield coped with it really well. You know, Lance Franklin, I'm not too sure. I signed a
1: year early. Yeah, but the one before that. I signed an extra year extension. This is why. Yeah. Well, never, it
0: was your contract, so you probably...
1: I've never gone into a season with one year left. Always re-signed early. Always re-signed
0: early and they're clearly not doing that these yeah. two players because well, I, th- I think
1: now because you can you've got that ability to sit back and wait as you said mm. you know, you're in the media you're the one who writes all this stuff exactly so for you and Your job, it's great because now you can speculate on something for
0: a whole year. (laughs) Don't uh, don't the coaches uh, love it? I just wonder whether Hawthorne, right, this is my theory, whether Hawthorne after losing Mitchell and Lewis, clearing some some cap space again this year, look at Burgoyne, Hodge, maybe Gibson go, that's probably $1.5 million in their salary cap. But They got O'Meara and Mitchell and Vickery in. Yeah. Yeah I, st- I still think This year They'll be clearing More cap more space So they fitted That into their Telecap last year That's just the master plan I think That Hawthorne um, And this is the issue with free agency Because the clubs well, are who, would so t- who would you take first Martin or Fife oh, Please That's not even a question Is it oh. It's Fife By the length Of the Flemington Strait Don't you reckon well, i just ask you the question. Well, I, th- I think it's Fife. I mean, we go back two years before he had his leg issues and he was 18 brown votes after about 10 games. The thing with Dusty last year, Scott, and you probably know this better than I, is that a lot of his possessions behind the ball weren't as efficient and as effective. So now with Josh Caddy and Dion Prestier coming into the Richmond side, that releases him back forward again. I think where he can have maximum damage.
1: Oh, no doubt. I think any side that played against... Dustin Martin last year, you're happy for him to do whatever he wants in the back half of the ground, whether that's you know, getting around the back and getting your handball and um, you know, kicking backwards or sideways because yep. he's probably, along with Dangerfield and Fife, in the best centre-four players in the game, if, you, if he's inside 60 or 70, one-on-one, I don't think there's too many defenders that can handle that, so. but I don't think he was able to get into that position enough last year to be fully damaging. Word out of Punt Road is that uh, he has spent the
0: past three months very much well training in that forward half of the ground. So I think that's what we're, um, we're going to see. Hey, the big story at the minute, or another big story, is the CBA. And you're a part of this. You're a senior figure, a uh, very important person.
1: The, uh, I'm, a watching, uh, I'm watching from afar. I'm not a delegate, you, no. Who is the delegate here, Tay? Um, no Tyson goldsack oh goldie yeah, he's okay. a long serving delegate yes, I okay, cut the
0: headband. I like it good work, Goldie. Now, the issue is um, Scott that clearly the AFLPA are fixed on this or want this set percentage, and the AFL are calling their bluff in my view, and that 's what we 're seeing happening at the moment. so give a short take on uh, on why this set percentage model is the way to go well.
1: I think the, as the game grows, it makes sense to look after the people who are making it grow. Um, so for me, as players, mm-hmm. sort of where the product, mm-hmm. and as the game's grown and it's got bigger and bigger... It's a good product. Yeah, it's a great product, and I think it's, it, could, it could get better, though, with more access to players. Mm-hmm. And then therefore, though, what, why would a player give up more of himself if he's not going to get or share in that massive growth that's going... Ban- bananas in the AFL, you know, they've been able to bring in two two new franchises. they brought in a women's league. Yeah. Um, so there's obviously the money's there. Money's in the pie. They just maybe don't want to cough it up. So um, it is tricky. But then on the same time, they look to America all the time to model their game on how we can make ours more entertainment. Mm-hmm. They want to speed up the game. They'll make rule changes to do all that thing. And they look at that. They look at American sports to model themselves on. Mm-hmm. But the one key thing they're missing... Is the American model's payment system, mm. and their players get like fifty-five percent. Yeah, it's not what we're asking for. So the issue, pretty straightforward.
0: Yeah, the issue. Go. The issue with that <laughs> is, mate, the, it, it's apples and oranges because in in the US, these are all privately owned clubs. So Mark Cuban or whoever else who owns the NFL club doesn't have to worry about funding the game at grassroots level at Oz Kick level. They don't have to worry about. Um, building the Adelaide Oval in another state to promote footy in in, uh, in South Australia. So my view is contrary, because at the moment I think the AFL is loosely budgeting on a 10% increase for the players. I wouldn't mind a little 10% increase, but I think I think that, to me, is fair reward. But when you've got that pie that you're talking about, and yes, there is more money in it, but I think the AFL has got... M- there's more hands out, you know. That for an AFL Auskick subscription, you'll get to know this uh, in five or six years, you know? um, or you can just teach your son. Probably that's not a bad idea either. <laughs> yeah. But so you know, it's $160 registration. We're in soccer; it's like a thousand-dollar registration, and that is subsidised, my friend, by the AFL. So there's that. They're building stadiums. There is. I don't think it's as simple just to say yes, set revenue, because there's so much more. To pay for. And because it's not privately owned, Joe Buglugs in the US, he doesn't have to worry about all this other stuff. He just needs to make pay the players, win games, make a profit.
1: It would be be great if it was that if organizations were privately owned here. It would be massive. And Eddie would own it and well and Yeah, exactly. Then there'd be four or five four (laughs) or five clubs dominating the competition every year. Um But I think the from the last deal when the AFL forecasted they forecasted how much they expect it to grow mm. and do all these things, and then they go out and they almost double these forecasts. Yeah, and then they say they, they, just f-
0: f- they just found money, did they?
1: And they just think like, oh well. So the players' percentage. Oh no, we can't give you any of the extra stuff we made because we're going to put that back into the game. Yeah. It's like that's a lot of the pie that yeah you know we've all agreed on, and then all of a sudden you double or whatever the, the profit of the business. Mm. If you're, a, if you're a stakeholder in a business, you want you, transparency. <clears throat> oh, everyone does, don't they? And I'm not saying that I they, the AFL's not, but I think that it just, as the game grows and everyone, the key stakeholders need to grow with it. And um, yeah, I think it's something that we've got to fight for. and... I don't think the players are going to blink either if the AFL is not going to blink and the players don't blink. Who knows what happens when that ball goes up in
0: the first NAB Cup game, Jay? I think you will blink because the AFL, the public, you're hopelessly conflicted, Scott, because the public aren't going to side with you. They're not going to say, you know, Scott Penderbury, ex-player, is well paid. Why does he need to, you know, all this extra money? This will come down to one thing and one thing only, and that is whether the players will strike. Because if you don't, the AFL will keep calling a bluff, and that's what they're doing at the moment. So, Scott, as captain of the football club, would you strike? Would you sit
1: down at the first quarter? Yes. I have no qualms sitting down you at the first wouldn't quarter. wouldn't bother no, you. not at all. As you said, like you model yourself off what the best businesses in the world have done and the best sporting. NBA had two lockouts. They played a 50-game season instead of an 82-game se- mm. season to prove a point that, you know, as players we need to be more respected than what they felt they were. And, um, yeah, obviously, players, we sit back, we listen to Marshy, we take his advice. And if he, said, if he come to this football club and said, Scott, I need you, to, in order to get this deal moving, mm-hmm. we need you to sit out the first quarter, mm-hmm. Joe Watson's already put it on the agenda a few years ago. Mm. What was it? So what did he want to do? He wanted down? to sit down in the first quarter. And what did you think of that at the time? What did I think of that yeah. at the time? <laughs> I You're thought, on board. <laughs> I was, well, yeah, if Joe's got it, he's one of the most respected figures in the game. So, yeah. How's yeah. that going to go down with the public, though? Oh, They'll be spewing And rightly so But They'll understand Eventually when the media You Jay yes. Print the story <laughs> And you print all the facts They'll read about it They'll educate themselves about it And they'll understand It's all for a bigger Bigger product And they'll enjoy the game In the next season When it's The game is so much greater Because they get so much more Player access You're talking tough Is that what Is this Goldie's view As well this is all that players use. you <laughs> united.
0: <laughs> hey, we'll talk Collingwood for a second because um, you are in the midst of the pre-season and uh, the games aren't far away. Who's catching your eye? How's it all going? you captain. It's
1: been a while since you played in September. Is this going to be the year, Pendles? Um, pre-season's going well. Um, they all do. They all, they're all fun. They're all tough to be a part of. But as I said, being a part of a team is... One of the greatest feelings you can have as an athlete, I think, the team environment, all putting the hard yards together, doing as many sessions as you can together. Um, you know, it hurts, but everyone sticks out there and you're all doing it at a common goal. And our goal, obviously, this year is to to rise up the ladder and try and get back into finals football. And, um, you know, the old cliches and everything goes, but, yeah, everyone's fitter here, everyone's stronger here, mm-hmm. everyone's leaner, everyone's lost four kilos. Yeah. Which, I don't know why players come out and say all that stuff, but... Look, we're, we're ready and um, hopefully this year when you watch Collingwood, you think, "Geez, they're a hard side to play against. Mm. Weren't early in the first half of last year,
0: I no. would say, and you would probably agree. Yeah, you know what you are doing? Because I see um, some of the photos that your wife puts on Instagram and uh, with your current rig, you are giving the dad bod a really bad name at the moment. So us fathers out there who aren't the other to lay off the ice cream at <laughs>
1: late at night, Yeah, <laughs> who are
0: carrying an extra couple. You are certainly giving us a bad name. But who's caught your eye? Like, I thought Callum Brown early, before his unfortunate bout of glandular fever, yeah. was having a real crack. But who is there one bloke you can underline as being um, someone who stood out?
1: No, I don't think it's, – it's pretty hard. I've, obviously, I'm here every day, so I see it every day. So yep. there's different people that stand out from session to session. But yep. um, I think like, Jeremy Howe's won because it's his first full pre-season here. Mm. Um, you know, he oh, was frisbee games or dog bites or whatever it was. For what? Cricket games. Oh, yeah, then he yeah, broke yeah. his finger playing, yeah, cricket. playing cricket. Yeah, playing um, cricket. So cricket's been banned. but <laughs> um, So he's playing frisbee with your dog. Yeah, um, But yeah, I think how he's been one, because he's done every session, you actually realise how good of an athlete he is in pre-season mm. and how well he sees the game and how smart he is. And I think as he adapts more and more to the defensive role that he's in, mm. he's one of the best in the game at the role that he plays. Pretty handy last year. Was he fifth? Oh, very, very handy. I think he is. Fifth in the best and the fairest, I think he was fifth or fourth in the comp, one-on-one intercept marks. Mm. All the stuff that the modern footballer needs to be good at, he's elite at. And he did take a couple more hangers, I think, on Monday at
0: training, as I saw. He so. did, he did. He, uh, he can go well in the air. Mate, uh, I know you're a big fan of boxing. Should we turn our hands to the sweet, sweet science? Let's do that. We're Friday night. Green Mundine. What do you think of it? Well, oh, I'm a green man. I'm a massive. When did they last fight? Green man. Oh, it was ages ago. Oh, it was. 10 years must ago? Must be 10 years ago. Yeah. It, yeah,
1: 2007. They fought, where? In Sydney? Is it Sydney? Yeah, now yeah. in Adelaide. And Mundine said that he. No, Green got weight drained. Yeah. And then went into the fight. They went down Shallow to the lower his, class. Yeah. yeah. of himself could barely throw a punch, had no power. 4% body fat. Yeah. So basically, Cook before, which yeah. they do in boxing. They wait drain you to get all the advantages they can. You can't be Because Mundine well. thought he was the A-side in yeah. that fight. Mm. Green wanted the fight so badly he was happy to meet all the terms. Mm. Mundine said, but now it's sort of been reversed, hasn't it? So, exactly. Yeah, so now they're going up in weight. They're plots. going up 83 to 83 kilos? I think, I think it's 87 kilos. 87. Yeah, so 14-kilo well, jump from Mundine's last fight to this fight which doesn't mean 14 kilos. It means he doesn't have to yeah. weight drain probably six or seven kilos to get down to 73. So he's obviously starting at 80, mm-hmm. but he can go to 87. I don't think he should go to 87, otherwise he'll get murdered. He'll be too slow. Yeah. Well, his thing is he's got great defence. He's quick. He can Mundu. move. Mundine mm-hmm. can mm-hmm. move. Where Green is, he'll obviously be a lot more powerful on the night, and mm-hmm. then Mundine's just got to hope that he doesn't get caught. What do you think? Tell me, what's going. how's it going to play out? Um, I we can't him- see how... Green
0: doesn't knock him out. Knocks him out. Knocks him out. Do you like the way Mundane goes about things?
1: Um, is it very oh, he's polarizing, polarizing isn't yeah. he? But um, I respect him as an athlete. I think what he does in the ring and yeah. Um, and both guys. I you know you hear a lot of people say, I can't believe they're doing this. This is just a cash grab. Mm. Blah, blah blah. It's like well you step inside a ring and yeah, make that your professional career and we're all going to watch. You can't cry when they've you know they both potentially make you know seven eight. Ten million each. Yeah, this is a professional sport. This is the last hurrah for them. So, yeah. good on them for going out there and doing it. And you know, the, the public will tune in, I'm sure, to watch. Most of them will watch, tune in to watch and hope Mundine gets beaten. But that's the beauty of mundane is everyone's going to tune in to watch yeah. him. Yeah, and Green obviously is a, a great fighter himself and champion of the community. Oh yeah, he's it's yeah he's got such a good image with the with the Australian public and you know his one punch campaign and all that sort of stuff. So. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a good fight and I just think that Grant's going to be simply too big. Will Mayweather McGregor happen? I hope not. Why? I understand like I understand why they're doing it. It's it's creating interest and um promoting themselves, but like you got one of the guys is the best. Mayweather's probably the best ever defensive fighter in boxing versus yeah. an MMA guy. Yeah. He's never fought before. So it's like saying you know, which, whichever way they go, whatever code they go to, the, well, Mayweather will dominate. It has to be boxing, to be boxing yeah. otherwise McGregor could almost kill, kill him. him. But in boxing, it's just going to be stupid. Would it no last? one's going to yeah. touch him. Like, would, he'll go twelve rounds if Mayweather wants it to, because yeah. he just won't get touched. But it could go two two rounds. It could go two. Yeah, absolutely. And they'll both make a hundred million dollars. So you would you do it from that, from a financial sense? <laughs>
0: Super Bowl uh, week on Monday or Super Bowl week coming up. Uh, we all know what an exciting showcase it is. The halftime show. We love how spectacular. It's great live too. <laughs> it is. It,
1: it is. is. Have Trust you me, been there? I have. When did you go? I went and watched it. Yeah, yeah, I went and watched Denver versus Seattle in New York. When what was that a part of? Um, Gatorade. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we went we there. Me, Gary, Your bestie Gary, Bill Daverin the head of um, performance here, come over. He's a massive Patriots fan, mm-hmm. so. I think we'll get Monday off training. here. Really? If,
0: uh, <laughs> will there be Will there be twenty blokes around yeah, the table absolutely. To
1: watch it. We'll probably schedule it up around so we can all watch the Super Bowl together and then train around the Super Bowl. Exactly. So, um, I think anytime there's big sporting events, you mm. should try and get everyone to watch it because it's just the best of the best going at it. Mm. I've seen that. I've seen a couple of the guys get around the Patriots end will win.
0: Well, tell us who is going
1: to win. Patriots Brady, Brady will get his fifth.
0: But is that because you're a defense? Versus offence, man. So Atlanta Falcons are the best offence in the, in the comp. They're the underdogs. Yeah. And I know they're playing in an indoor stadium, but you, what's your reasoning? Just because of Brady or the defence? Well, I think
1: it's the, first, it's the first time Atlanta's been there in a long time. It's the first time their quarterback's been there. It's the year for upsets. It is, but... It's a fairy tale. Um, yeah, I just think Brady's been there, done that before, calming influence in the locker. Um, they're a great defence. Um, that's usually what holds up in big games. You, yeah, you've got to be able to score. Well, they've got Brady for that, so hmm. he'll be able to read it, read it and react.
0: I just wonder whether Freeman, Matt Ryan, Julio Jones, uh, with his running game, I wonder whether this uh, high-scoring, uh, high rapid-fire, this uh, potency... Of the uh, of the Atlanta side is going to get the job done, and whether just did the flake gate stuff and you know, distract them or something. Yeah, you know, I love a good storyline. So we try and uh, yeah, We yeah. we've we eat these things up uh, as much as we can. Uh, so um, I noticed I th- because it's is it going to be a shootout? It's going to be an offensive game, isn't it? Surely. Yeah, you'd think so. Well, I had a look at the uh, the odds, my friend, and I did see that the over fifty five points is a dollar seventy. So I might- everyone
1: always tightens up in big games, though. <laughs>
0: Yeah, possibly. everyone gets a bit yeah. gun shy. Well, Carol, uh, was, it, um, was it Caroline Panthers uh, quarterback? Cam Newton last yeah, year. Cam Did you Newton. see that? What happened there? He, he On the big
1: stage. MIA. MIA.
0: And is that because of the moment you think, or he's had a bad game?
1: What do they say? Sometimes the, the lights are too bright. <laughs> you, however, love
0: the big sort of stage. Hey, Pendles, we've just about run out of time. How do you think we went on our first show, the Pendles
1: and Clarky show? Yeah, I think we've done all right, mate. I think we started off all right. I think we'll get the Bantle. Um, go up another level next episode, I think. So, um, But, yeah, so far, so good.
0: All right. I like it. Hey, all the best uh, on the track this week. Thanks very much for listening in. We'll uh, catch you next week on the Pendleton Clarkie Show. Thank you.